Jamie Crowley, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. I'm Jake Lingua, and it is Tuesday, May 22nd. And I'm DeAndre Jones, and we thank you for tuning in. Summer is officially in full swing, and we've been working hard to bring you the first Eye on the Triangle for this summer. This week, we bring you stories from around Raleigh, including a local celebration of the theater and coverage of the eugenics compensation that is currently taking place all over North Carolina. In addition, we have a tribute to the city of Raleigh, and DeAndre Jones premieres a new segment where he reviews a local restaurant. But first, let's turn to Andrew to see what to expect in the weather. What's going on, Andrew? There will be scattered storms tonight with lows in the mid-60s, cloudy tomorrow with highs in the low 80s, with a possibility of heavy rainfall and hail in the afternoon and evening. Then Thursday will still be cloudy but hotter, with thunderstorms less widespread than the days before. Friday will be partly cloudy and hot. Saturday, temperatures will reach the 90s. (laughs) They will remain there until next Tuesday, when temperatures will drop a little and again we'll have the possibility of storms. And for the news, the first cargo delivery to the International Space Station by a private company was launched today. California-based firm SpaceX launched an unmanned rocket whose capsule will dock with the space station later this week. Facebook stops. <laughs> Facebook stocks fell 9% on only its third day of trading. That's less than yesterday's fall of 11%, but the stocks, which launched at $38 Friday, are worth only $31 now. The stocks, will, the stocks were expected to soar, but instead have slumped. Ten people were convicted of the 2009 bombing of a Russian train, which killed 27 and injured 130. The men were Islamic Chechen separatists, claiming to have been acting on orders from Russia's most wanted figure, Doku Umarov. Four were sentenced to life in prison. And that's the news. Thanks, Andrew. With school now out, many NC State students, like myself, have gone home for the summer. But for those of us who live here in Raleigh, life goes on. Jake thought it would be appropriate to start off with a little tribute to the city of Oaks. Last week, I happened upon a website showcasing the city of Raleigh from a unique perspective. GoodnightRaleigh.com is a blog that looks at the architecture, the history, and the art showcased around Raleigh. Immediately on the first page, there is a time-lapse video showcasing the city from different vantage points. And what immediately struck me was how beautiful it is. Watching the city I live and work in come to life as the sun goes down was incredible. There are these beautiful photographs of the skyline at dusk, shots where lightning fills up a deep purple sky over a brightly lit downtown. It is this kind of beauty that catches some people off guard. People don't often think of Raleigh as a beautiful place, and not that it isn't, but more often it's that people take that beauty for granted. Often going about their lives, people are so busy that it can be difficult to appreciate the history and the beauty of a city like this. There are stories and photographs of these massive Victorian era and southern mansions that once lined Blunt Street that were demolished by the city in the 1960s. A few still remain, but by and large they have become a thing of the past. And yet the website captured these houses. Photographs of these old mansions still exist, and while even then they look dilapidated, one could imagine these majestic dwellings in their prime. Trying to describe these old houses does not do them justice. But they say a picture is worth a thousand words, and there's no shortage of photographs on this website, and they come together to create a comprehensive history of the city of Raleigh. You see, Raleigh, North Carolina is not one of the world-class cities, one of those cities that lives in the imagination of America. Raleigh is not New York or Chicago. It is not Los Angeles or New Orleans, but nor should it try to be. But people assume that it's boring, that there's nothing here. I myself moved here almost 10 years ago, and when my parents told me we were moving to Raleigh, I thought it was somewhere in Ohio. But over the years, I've fallen in love with this city. Whether it's at the fairgrounds, where there is always something going on, or at the amphitheater downtown, or the NC State campus, there is no end to the surprises this city holds, both old and new. 
I spoke with a friend of mine last week who moved here from a small town in Alabama. I mean, really small. He said the streetlights all turn yellow at around 9 p.m. And I asked him, why did you move here? And he said, there's so much more to do. Everybody that lives here says there's nothing to do. There's nothing interesting. But there really is. You just have to be willing to stop and look around. And again, that website was goodnightraleigh.com. A really fascinating look at Raleigh. I highly encourage everyone to check it out. I think that especially in today's society, uh, we, we kind of forget that Raleigh is a city with a lot of historic value and a lot of really cool things happening. Well, if you, you go downtown and you see a lot of these old buildings and you just you never notice them and it really takes you got to take a step back and look at a photograph of it. And it's it's really cool. So I really highly encourage everyone to check it out. Theater Fest is a celebration of what else? Theater. It's being held right here on campus and it starts this Thursday. DeAndre Jones sat down with the Theater Fest director, John McAwee, to discuss the theater and Theater Fest. The arts here at NC State have proven to be consistently amazing with their productions. Whether it be dance, orchestra, jazz band, or any of the other amazing programs the state has. This interview, I'm highlighting Theater Fest, a five-week long play series taking place here during the summer. Hey guys, this is DeAndre Jones, and I'm sitting here with John McElwee, uh, the director of the University Theater Program here at State. Um, he's going to be here talking about Theater Fest, which is happening over the summer. John, what exactly is Theater Fest? Well, Theater Fest was the professional, quasi-professional uh, company that we started uh, about 20 years ago, and it enabled our really good students here at NC State to be invited to work with professional actors and sometimes directors, as well as the entire staff of University Theater in presenting three plays in rolling rep. That's three plays in five weeks. So it's a fantastic repertory experience, and the students have had the ability to work with some really marvelous professionals that we bring in. You know, North Carolina has many professionals who live in the area, and sometimes they just want to do a play. And uh, working with talented students seems to be something they enjoy. So we've had people back. We've had two people who have actually done all of the theater fests uh, during the, the time that we presented them. And then we have new people coming in every year. So it's been a really great experience for our students. I was an actor in high school, so I know the preparation that goes into a play. <laughs> so I just heard you say three plays in five weeks. Uh-huh, yeah, you got to come in and be really prepared. You have about two weeks uh, to three weeks of rehearsal time, uh, all told, because we're we're balancing some of the plays at the same time who have the, have the same actors in them. So they get to be in more than one play, and uh, many times they not only are acting, but they are house managing, stage managing, working on the costume crew, working backstage to run the show, running lights, all sorts of things. I've heard of how the construction on the new tally is definitely going to affect the location of the theater in the future. First of all, will it be affecting Theater Fest this year? No, Theater Fest, uh, uh, it, it will be presented as it has always been at Thompson. And so it's at Thompson Hall and the two theaters there. And our main effect from the construction of Tally is going to be after Christmas this coming season. We'll be moving out with the last musical will be in there, and then we will do a huge gala, Arts NC State Gala, with the theater department and the music department at 
uh, the holiday time. And that will be the last show in Stewart Theater until the construction is completed. So we're coming up to the last semester, and then everybody from University Theater who is housed in Tally will be moving back over to Thompson, and we'll be sharing uh, some offices, sometimes three to an office, uh, while the construction is going on. <laughs> well, that's that's definitely cramped. Mm-hmm. It's typical theater. You know how you know how fast <laughs> we have to do everything, and we get cramped up all the time. Yeah, definitely no <laughs> no time for slagging. Absolutely. <laughs> for the three shows that will be over the summer, what what are their names and genres? Well, we're doing uh, three comedies, and they're three comedy battles. We usually have a theme for Theater Fest, and this one is Dueling Duos. Because there are two leads in each of the three plays. We're doing a classic, Fallen Angels, by Noel Coward, which takes place in the 30s. And we're doing Lettuce and Lovage, the great modern play by Peter Schaffer, the author of Equus and Royal Hunt of the Sun and many uh, popular plays. And then, of course, closing with America's uh, Neil Simon and the Sunshine Boys. And in each one of the plays... There are big fights, big battles, and it's all done for comic effect. So it should be a lot of fun. And the the first play opens on Thursday with Fallen Angels. And then we open the second one next Thursday. And then right after that, uh, the Sunshine Boys. And how long has Theater Fest been going on? 20 years now. It has been a major success. We usually sell out all productions. And this year we are have already met our season ticket goal uh, as of today, as a matter of fact, and our highest, which was last year. And we will continue to sell tickets for all three plays during the uh, during the run, of course. But uh, the the real the real deal is to get all three uh, because it's very inexpensive. And we are what we like to consider the best-kept secret in town. Lots of fun, and uh, everybody who's been to Theater Fest usually comes back. Yeah, so def- I would say definitely a tradition at NC State to have been around for 20 years. Absolutely, and, you know, we've had students who, like in this particular group, we have alumni, lots of alumni, who have done the play since they were in school at NC State, and they happen to live in the area, and they audition every year. And uh, so we have lots of alumni, lots of uh, current students, and lots of professional actors brought in to work with everybody. So um, how long typically does it does it take you guys to pick the plays that you're going to be doing for Theater Forever. Fest? <laughs> it takes a long time to make a season, and uh, we start picking the plays well in of a year in advance, uh, and uh, and that's because, as you know from your experience on stage, that we have to make sure that we have the right person directing, the right people designing the costumes, the sets. Uh, we do everything in house. You know, we have the costume shop, the scene shop, the lighting uh, area. The props, everything is done uh, by the University Theater staff, and we're very, very lucky right now. We have an incredible staff, uh, world-class designers and people who just love working with our students here at NC State. Because as you know, we don't have a major. We have, as of this season, this semester coming up, we have a minor in theater, so we have zoology majors and engineering majors and all those majors getting a, a minor in theater at the same time. And so our students here at NC State do theater because they love it. And that really makes a big difference in the quality of the performance. They're fantastic. And getting to work with professionals means they get that just that extra added training during the summer. And this year coming up, we are going to have to minimize our season. We're only doing four plays during the regular year because of allowing 
um, the um, changeover to everybody coming to Thompson. And we'll be doing center stage and the music department and the dance program. And all of them will be uh, joining us at Thompson for programming after Stewart closes down for um, the time uh, that construction takes. But when we come back, we're going to have a fantastic uh, renovation around us. And Stewart Theater will be all made completely accessible to all students, which it hasn't been up until this time. Well, I know that. A theater major is definitely something that interests me because, you know, um, coming here, that's one thing that I thought that the school lacked. Do you know what the requirements would be for a theater minor? Being able to offer the minor to any student on campus is, was really our first mission. And the requirements are, are fairly uh, direct. There'll be uh, 12 hours of mandatory classes that have to be taken and then some electives. And most students that that graduated this semester with the minor, because that, that's the first time in a long time uh, since the communication department had it, we now have it in theater. And we had uh, three graduates uh, this year who completed it and were able to get their minor approved. And so they took a lot more than the classes that were necessary because you know how addictive theater can be. And we get fantastic students from all majors, but once they get addicted to it, uh, Thompson Hall sort of becomes their home, uh, you know, for for the whole time they're here. We've had uh, most of our students obviously graduate in four years, but we have quite a few students who um, are now doing graduate work who are continuing to be active. And uh, we have students who have been there for longer than four <laughs> years uh, uh, because they have decided to change their under, undergraduate work. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be fairly normal, minor. and But we're very excited about it because of the number of students who have already signed up to get their minor in theater in advance of, of us actually getting the approval, which we just got. And uh, so we're very excited about it. It's going to bring a lot more students in, and we hopefully will be including a lot of new and interesting classes. As you know, the acting classes, the introduction to theater, the directing classes, the lighting design, scene design, costume design, all of the uh, stagecraft, all of those classes were already being taught by um, a staff at University Theater. All of our staff right now have the uh, terminal degree in the arts, the MFA. And uh, so we've been teaching for a long time uh, for other departments, and now we'll be teaching for ourselves and hopefully adding new and exciting classes uh, this year. I think you'd be really, really interested in one uh, besides the musical, which is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but... You're going to be really interested in the multimedia production of Alice in Wonderland, which will also be first semester, and it's going to include everything from live actors to puppets being characters to uh, film to projection, about anything that our director, uh, the director of that particular show, Jamie Melamuk, will be thinking up, will be excited to do. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that production. So anyone who is interested in auditioning for theater, please, please, I urge you to, if you have free time, to go ahead and do it because it's definitely an experience. I originally thought that I wouldn't be interested in the uh, experience, but I definitely turned out to be a really, really uh, growing and enriching thing. It's a close-knit community, and they do their best to to make shows for people like you, me, and anyone that would spend their time watching. So definitely, if you have time, come out to Theater Fest. And when are those dates, John? Theater Fest opens on the 24th, that's this Thursday, and it runs through June 24th, so it is um, exactly five weeks, and you can have an opportunity to see all three plays 
uh, anytime during that, that uh, five weeks from May 24th to June 24th. It is really going to be a, a knockdown, drag out comic battle over in Thompson Hall. So if you get an opportunity, uh, come the only nights that we are dark are on Monday and Tuesday. Every other night there is a play going on. So come on out. Uh, don't be afraid to audition next semester Absolutely. if you're a student here. Try out theater. <laughs> and I'll expect to see you there. <laughs> I will. I mean, I definitely intend to. <laughs> good. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. This has been DeAndre Jones with John McAwee. Have a good night. Safe drive if you're driving. And for Eye on the Triangle, I hope you enjoyed this interview. We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. We've got more on the way. Eugenics is an unfortunate part of the history of North Carolina. Mark Herring recently spoke with a member of the NC Justice for Sterilization Victims Foundation to see what is being done to correct these injustices. Many people are aware of the eugenics programs and ethnic cleansings in conflicts like the Holocaust, the Balkan crisis of the early 90s, and the plight of the Kurds in the Middle East. However, in our own backyard throughout the 1900s, North Carolina partook in a program to cleanse the population. Though the measures the state took don't add up to the other atrocities of the 20th century, the state put in place the Eugenics Board of North Carolina to sterilize those deemed unfit to procreate. Among many mentally disabled people, the program targeted many other innocents, many of whom were black African-American women. State lawmakers met at 3 o'clock this afternoon for a public hearing to discuss the contents of House Bill 947 a compensation plan for victims of the eugenics program that sterilized an estimated 7,600 people that the government considered feeble between 1933 and 1977. This compensation plan will pay $5,000 in reparation to the 1,500 estimated victims still living. Victims have until 2015 to claim their compensation. I talked to Charmaine Fuller-Cooper, Executive Director of the North Carolina Justice for Sterilization Victims Foundation, to discuss this achievement her organization has worked on for the past two years. Cooper is also a graduate from NC State's Public Administration Master's Program. How did you become the Executive Director of the Foundation? You know, we followed this issue closely when I was very much involved in social justice reform for another organization called the Carolina Justice Policy Center. Okay. So, and then we came, and then after this effort was put together, I decided to come and work on this issue. Okay, and so since around when did you start working on the March 2010 is when the foundation officially started and we launched our efforts to actually have people to contact us for verification in October 2010 okay so would you say are you satisfied with how far you've come since then no we want to go further um, but we do see that we're closer than ever to finally passing a compensation package for people who were forcibly or coercively sterilized Mm -hmm. but we want to make sure that the package passes this year and we want to make sure that we have adequate resources for outreach so that we can find as many people as possible who might want to come forward about their sterilization. Okay. Now, um, with Amendment 1 being passed just a few weeks ago and with this uh, coming around, where do you see civil rights, the state of civil rights in North Carolina? No comment on that one right now. No comment, um, For the first time with this eugenics compensation, this is one of the first efforts in the last two years where we have bipartisan support. So this may be the issue that 
unifies both the House and Senate and people of various backgrounds, whether Republican, Democrat, black or white, man or female, to see that we do have injustices that occur in North Carolina, and hopefully we'll have more advocates stepping up within the legislature to make sure that we're taking sure, making sure that people who are less fortunate than we are are advocated for and that they all have a voice. Do you think monetary compensation is the best way to uh, compensate? You know, it depends. It really is a question that you would ask people who were victimized by this program. Um, for each person, it's something different. Everybody has been affected a different way. Okay. For some people, the monetary compensation will be helpful, but then it becomes a question of what amount. For other people, they might also need a combination of mental health services or other support services based on what they've gone through. So for each person, it's different. Though reparation is better than nothing, the events today highlight an ethical atrocity committed not just in North Carolina, but throughout the United States. It took 44 years for the eugenics law to be repealed. With only weeks since Amendment 1, many are wondering how long it will take for another law, which denies rights from citizens, to be repealed. Tune in two weeks from now to learn more. From Eye on the Triangle, I am Mark Herring. Eugenics. I, it's crazy to think about that, that they still were doing that as far late as the uh, 1970s. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially, you know, we live in a 21st century environment and hearing things like, because we don't learn this sort of stuff in, in public schools. Uh, so hearing about this, you know, at this at this point in time, it's just really, really shocking. Uh, but do you guys think that that uh, compensation is the right way to go for this? Uh, reparations better than nothing. Uh you know, it's awful that this is happening, or that it happened, but, um, you know, I think that at least the state is recognizing its mistakes in the past, and they're looking to uh, compensate people who have been affected, and families who have been affected, uh, and they're also offering uh, mental therapy services, but, I mean, reparation isn't going to fix stuff, you know, the wrongdoings we did. Yeah, it's basically the least we can do but do you think do you see a parallel between this and amendment one in a way i mean it it demonstrates things that were written into law in north carolina that deny rights to people um and with eugenics i mean it i I can't say that they're analogous they're that they're the same yeah they're they're analogous but they're they're not the same and you know they violate people in different ways but um for the most part, I just think that uh, today has shown how far North Carolina has come, but it's just scary thinking that we did have to come that far. Well, and, yeah, and it also shows how far we still have to go. Absolutely. Definitely. definitely. I think I think definitely a, a step forward for this state, um, to just you know, for the pure recognition that we have done things that are definitely, you know, definitely you know, reprehensible. Yeah, so hopefully... Um, you know, black spot on the history of the state, but, you know, trying to make it better. Yeah, well, uh, tune in in two weeks. Right? Yeah, two weeks. We will have uh, more coverage on Amendment 1, the difference, the expected impact of what this law will have on all citizens of North Carolina, not just gays and lesbians, but, you know, everyone that might be affected by this uh, by this particular law. And now for a new segment where DeAndre Jones lets us know which restaurants are a must-hit and which ones to avoid. Here's the restaurant highlight of the week. So with the start of summer comes a different lifestyle, and often this means that people, especially students, have more time to do things, go out with friends, and of course consume massive amounts of food. 
Knowing this, I've decided to start a new segment entitled Restaurant Highlight of the Week. Name nudes work, I know, but let's focus on the task at hand. This week, I'm highlighting a local Korean restaurant called Waba. Waba is right here on Hillsborough Street across the street from the library next to the Future Two Guys restaurant. If you are looking for a place to enjoy great, authentic Korean cuisine and relax by yourself or with friends, this is your place. As you walk under that blue awning and move up the stairs, you become engrossed with an immediate feeling of peace and tranquility. Waba is ran by very nice owners who make every customer feel welcome in their restaurant. Of course, what is really important when dining is price. The prices are very affordable at Waba, with no entree exceeding $7. My personal favorite is the Mandu Ramen, a spicy bowl of authentic ramen with vegetable dumplings for around 6 bucks. Simply put, this place is a must for an Asian food lover. Thanks, guys. This has been DeAndre's Restaurant Highlight of the Week. And now for this week's riddle. This one is for all you wordsmiths out there, so see if you can figure it out. There is only one word in the, in the English language with three double letters in a row. What is it? I'll give you a hint. It's a compound word. If you know the answer, be sure to tell us on our Facebook page. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. Also, be sure to check out our blog at WKNC.org. That's all we've got for you guys tonight. We are thankful to be able to, to report to you, and we thank you for tuning in. And don't forget, we're not broadcasting every other week, so we will see you on the 5th of June. Until then, good night.